The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> This is Omance Chronicles, and I'm kind of sick, Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Nicole, who's seemingly back, fine. Back from Greece, couple migraines. Yeah, yeah. Well, besides the migraines, but somehow I evaded sickness, being on a plane for ten hours remarkable. in economy. Remarkable. Let me tell you what that is remarkable. I came back on. A Thursday afternoon and I pretty much like did the bare minimum I squeezed in a couple of things but they really only took like two hours of my time here and there so otherwise like I unpacked did laundry caught up on my shows got my sleep schedule right so I kind of had like vacay after vacay so like the smartest move anybody could make yeah well i've done i've done the european thing before and come back and it takes three days to get rid of the jet lag and (laughs) get back on schedule but i did it relatively quickly this time i also though took this homeopathic jet lag prevention that i feel was very helpful because they're like these little tablets and they're kind of chalky and you chew them And so you do the first one like an hour before you travel and then you do one every like two hours that you're like on the plane, basically. I'm so curious how this helps your body's perception of time. (laughs) I don't know, but I feel like it worked because when you have jet lag, to me, it feels similar to like a hangover. Yes, sucks. Yeah. And when I just went to Napa in may i think it was i had the worst jet lag and that was just from california to michigan (laughs) i don't know it took me like two days to be able to function again it's not easy to go backwards though yeah so this time i feel like they must have worked because i never had that like hangover feeling i mean that's really cool i'm here for that yeah i just got them on amazon (laughs) (laughs) what in amazon they got everything unfortunately well there is a natural food store that you can get them uh but they're a different brand and so they're like these little pellets and you you have to take like five of them and let them um, melt away under your tongue marinade mm-hmm. <laughs> cool so. though i'm like i'm happy there's options out there i'm glad that you were able to test it out for us too mm-hmm yeah, well, I had a very curated uh, birthday gift wish list, and it was one of the things on there because, you so know, I made regrets. a very practical travel <laughs> item list. Which I appreciated the fuck out of, but I got you nothing off of because I knew everybody else would. So <laughs> we're doing experiences here, people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I always say that I live a life of experiences <laughs> and extreme luxury. Oh, man. I wish it was extreme luxury. We're getting there. 
one of these times I'm going to be on a plane in a one of those bed situations. Yeah. And the only reason I'd ever been able to do something like that was just because it was an, like by an accident. It was one of those situations where once in a lifetime accident, I got to fly in business. I <laughs> forget it. Well, uh, we took Emirates from Newark to Athens and um they have a different level of class like above business class and like those people have like little like rooms and showers and shit <laughs> why does your face look like that i'm just envisioning a suite in the air like showers what no yeah there's a class above business mm-hmm. just straight baller like did mm-hmm. we did we drug dealers yeah yep. there it is <laughs> <laughs> or the government you know whatever well i was say or corruption <laughs> same same <laughs> i know who do i need to align myself with to get there seriously i don't know if it matters at this stage just put it all out there and see who grabs you <laughs> <laughs> they're always clamoring for more people <laughs> uh i should have just said like well i guess the devil that's where we're going because that's who can afford to be in those seats <laughs> at the stage yes yep <laughs> actually the devil sir <laughs> come here i'd like to talk to you for a moment <laughs> let me bend your ear um yeah my flight out to athens wasn't too bad in economy because the plane i was on has the three rows then the four rows in the middle then the other three rows or three seats i should say three seats four seats three seats with the aisles in between in between and i was in the center section with the four seats but the two middle ones were empty oh wow and the ladies me and the other lady on the other end were both short we both laid down like feet touching (laughs) luxury i love that for you guys how exciting how exciting and see i would have been like do you want to put our heads next to each other so we don't have to get bopped in the head by people going down the aisle it's not weird i promise Uh, (laughs) um but on the way home we were checking uh the seats on the flight map up until like I don't know, an hour before we left to go to the airport. And me and my friend were both in one of the sections with three seats. And so it was me, empty seat, her. And I still was like jazzed about that. Um, By the time that we got on the plane, there was already the middle seat full. And I'm like, where did this guy come from? Because we had just checked not that long ago. <laughs> And of course he sat down first. Um, so on the way back was a little bit more cramped. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's always but, a roll of the dice. You never know what you're gonna get. But I mean, I'm not very tall. I just have a lot of things on my person. <laughs> Small but big package. <laughs> my ecosystem has a lot in it. <laughs> I gotta have my pillow and blah, blah, blah. And um, the nice thing about the Emirates seats, though, is that I feel they recline back much further. Probably. Than other airlines. 
and the monitor is much bigger. Yeah. Well, they probably but, didn't have to retrofit it onto the plane. Yeah. Um, but it it creates a domino effect because the seats go back so far. That on the way home, there was nobody behind me. Nice. It was like it went from three seats to two seats. So it's not like it was an empty seat. There literally was not a seat there. That's and great. so I didn't feel bad about basically jacking that thing all the way back. No, why would you? So I was like, this is nice. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> balance. It's all about balance. Oh, man. But we're not here to talk about my Greece trip or my my economy flight endeavors. <laughs> my longing for a more luxurious lifestyle. None of those. We're not here to talk about my level of bouginess, <laughs> requirements, or expectations. <laughs> um, All the time, anyway. <laughs> we are here to tell you about a whole of history. And when I uh was doing some of my mindless scrolling through Instagram after coming back and being in kind of like a bit of a cloud um and forcing myself also to try to stay awake as late as possible <laughs> <laughs> I came across uh Mark Ronson's post about a couple of people's birthdays hmm. and I didn't know how many artists he's worked with. Um, he's a pretty well-known producer. Most people probably know him from the Bruno Mars song because his name's actually on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just little things. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like in the music video and he's like all the rest of the stuff. It's more behind the scenes. Um, he actually just did the Dua Lipa song for the Barbie movie. Um, so. Oh, all right. Yeah. He's he's been around for a minute and he works with a lot of big name people. And this post was um, like a little bit of a dedication to Amy Winehouse. Okay. So he worked with her uh, back in the day. At this point, geez, it would have been like 12 years ago, right? Um, or more. So him and Amy had a close relationship and he was saying how uh, it would have been her birthday on September 14th and mm -hmm. she would have been turning 40. And as we know, I just turned 40. Oh, wow. Hey, wait a minute. Greece was my 40th birthday present to myself. Aww. So turns out Amy Winehouse was born in 1983, two weeks after me. So Who I thought... Knew? I thought, what better than to do the story on her since it was her birthday four yeah. days ago? Let's do it. I mean, now when people are listening to this, it wasn't four days ago, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think that it's unknown that she died at 27, which is a weird age. Like people always question, like, what's going on with that? Like it's like Janis Joplin, um, Jimi Hendrix. There's a few. Um, Kurt Cobain. They all died when they were 27. Mm -hmm. 27 and um, 
Hum. 27 Club. Yeah, super weird. Jimi Hendrix. Um, a lot of, like, throughout history. It's been yeah. since the 70s, I think. So, um, her death was due to accidental alcohol poisoning. So, um, even though she had died young uh, and only released two albums that, you know, made it mainstream, she has like a huge impact on music and pop culture still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a quote from Adele who said that because of Amy Winehouse, she picked up a guitar and she was like, because of her, I write my own songs. I mean, see, that's just so badass. Cause Adele, I have a lot of respect for that woman. Personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adele's amazing. Just to her core. As a human I mean, even artist. as just a person, she cracks me up. She doesn't know how to like work social media and stuff, but she'll still go on there. <laughs> my she'll heart... like do a live and be like, oh my God, there's all these people. Why are all these people here? You know? What do I do? Um, I think yeah. uh, there's a meme just recently. I was like, I want to, uh, I want to be like Adele work for six months and then just take seven years off. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's the work-life balance yes. I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has the uh, Vegas residency right now. And there was a video clip that surfaced of her where she started to sing a song. And she was like, oh, that was shit. Let's start over. <laughs> like, she's just herself. So funny. Um, best life. Yeah. And her. Uh, I forget what they call it. What's the ride alongs that the celebrities do with James Corden from the Late Late Show? I don't know. But anyway, she raps Nicki Minaj. Oh yeah, in the, in the vehicle with him. Yeah, slept yeah. in karaoke or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, back to Amy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Amy Jade Winehouse was born on September fourteenth, nineteen eighty three, in England to Jewish parents. They lived in London's Southgate area. Her dad started out with some different career, like window installation or something, but basically, um most of his time was spent being a taxi driver and her mom was a pharmacist. Um, she has one brother who's four years older than her and he comes up later hmm. uh, because he really was kind of non-existent oh. for a very long time. Like did yeah. not want to participate or comment on anything. Didn't even know that she had a brother. Right. So. This is the first time I've heard of this. So <laughs> there we are. Well, don't worry. I've got some, brother oh, fodder got the tea for me Yay. yeah <laughs> brother fodder who am i um Bonifil. my best friend yeah yeah i just whip out fodder as part Fine. of my normal vocabulary whatever it is is it not uh probably i mean your um, level of bougie and t- kind of like <laughs> anyway so as a child amy attended jewish sunday school and uh, while she, like when she started like becoming famous or becoming recognized, she did an interview where she said that she used to beg her father not to go to Sunday school and that she learned nothing about being Jewish by going. <laughs> Actually, I feel her genuinely because I was forced <laughs> to go to my catechism every Sunday and I <laughs> nothing stuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> not one fucking thing and i learned a lot apparently yeah nope. she did say though that she went to synagogue once a year on yom kippur out of respect same um, christmas yeah <laughs> yeah so she was prideful about being jewish but she just wasn't very religious actively jewish <laughs> yeah um so many of her uncles were actually professional jazz musicians and her grandmother cynthia had been a singer and dated uh jazz saxophonist ronnie scott so her grandmother and parents and other family members influenced her interest in jazz and her father would often sing frank sinatra songs to her which is a nice little funny thing that happened I'll I'll finish this and I'll tell you. So her father sang Frank Sinatra songs to her. And whenever she was chastised at school, she would sing Fly Me to the Moon before going up to the headmistress to be told off. <laughs> when I was on one of the ferries in Greece, like going from one island to the other, uh-huh. I was sitting next to this couple and they did not speak English. I mean, maybe they did speak English or no English, but they weren't speaking that to each other. That wasn't their first language. But for some reason, they kept singing Fly Me to the Moon. Like, they kept singing. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, Fly Me to the Moon. Like, Like, more than one time? Yeah. What the fuck? I don't know. We get it. We get it. (laughs) I was like, something must have happened where it played and it got stuck in their head or something. Um... So in Amy Winehouse, in her own words, which I forgot to look that up. I think it's a documentary. Um, I think it is, too. The it's revealed that her nickname is Nuj, Nug, no, it's a Yiddish word for basically probably, pushing the boundaries. Probably Nuj then. Like it's kind of like nudge, but not really. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So she used to always like push the boundaries and um, see how far she could get away with stuff. And so um, her parents ended up separating when she was nine and she lived with her mom in London during the week and then would go live with her father and his girlfriend in Essex on the weekends. So around the same time as the divorce, she started attending the Susie Earnshaw Theater School where she went on Saturdays to further her vocal education and learn how to tap dance. Um, so she well, actually tap in there, just a little tip tap dancing around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was little, my mom had me in dance. I was, must've been like four or five and they, I don't remember, like we were practicing for a recital or we we're practicing for something. And I didn't want any part of it. I just cried. I had my tap shoes on, my little leotard, and I just cried. Wanted no part of it. I just cried. No part. Uh, I was not allowed to do dance recitals or anything like that. I don't think I ever made it to a recital. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I, I just just didn't like. Didn't have that. This is not for me. No, I was. I don't like to perform. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I was allowed to play outside. (laughs) But then we had soccer. Hmm. I moved on to piano. Well, my mom tried to get me to be a cheerleader, and that did not fucking work or happen. I think 
I think that my mom wanted me to be a cheerleader too, but no. Did you hear that? Wasn't for me either. In case you didn't learn from when I was five and I didn't want to do performative dance, (laughs) you know? Um, so anyway, no, okay, we're not going to take the signs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she attended that school for four years. And while she was there, she actually founded a short lived rap group called Sweet and Sour with her. Yeah, I know little, I knew about this. <laughs> with her little buddy, Julia yes. Ashby. They were very yes. influenced by like Salt and Peppa and TLC. Yep. So funny. Um, cringe. It was like the 90s cringe. <laughs> so good. Um, so she started doing full time training at Sylvia Young Theater School. And this was around like 14 or 15 years old. And at the same time, she bought a guitar. And started writing her own songs. And then she was attending the Mount School, Mill Hill, and the Brit School. Which, these are all very prestigious. Mm-hmm. Like, like, where do they get the funding? They're a big deal. And she only stayed at the Brit School for maybe a year. She dropped out at 16. Um, There's rumors that she was expelled versus dropping out. Yeah. But the school and her father both deny it. The rumor is based basically on her behavior and her getting a nose ring. She got Ignorant her stuff. Yeah. She got her first tattoo when she was 15 and it was a Betty Boop. So they were like, you're out of here. Poor judgment. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? But apparently she just left on her own accord um, because she started working. She was an entertainment journalist for the World Entertainment News Network at 16 and also started singing with a local group called the Bolsha Band. And in July 2000, so she would have been like almost 17, she became the featured female vocalist with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. I mean, she did not have a short list of accomplishments in the arts arena. Let's just (laughs) go there right now. (laughs) Right so when she was the lead vocalist of this orchestra that's when her best friend uh tyler james sent her demo tape to an a and r person so tyler james was on the a and r label already as a pop singer and so him providing her demo actually got her a record deal with island and universal crazy i mean for some people it's just that simple like they're just that talented she had such a unique voice that it cut through all the other clutter. Well, yeah, absolutely. We all heard it. We all know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just so she she was given the opportunity to be who she was at that time. Well, yeah, and all she did was continuously own who she was. But that's a little bit of a, a problem yeah. because I don't know if she was totally happy with herself. Um, so she moved into a flat in Camden after signing to Island Records in 2002. The Camden is like London's indie rock heartland. Like it's tattoo parlors, pubs, clubs, um, you know, weird clothing markets and that kind of thing. And she's often been referred to as the queen of Camden. 
so crazy because Camden in the United States is like Camden, New Jersey, and it's not a great area or town, if you will. Like, it's been known for drug-related stuff. So well, I'm sure there was plenty of that going on in this little indie rock town in oh yeah, absolutely. England as well. 100%. But, like, you know, Camden, New Jersey is well known for being a bad place. Anyway, continuing. Uh, shortly after she signed with Island within like a year, because her first debut album was called Frank and it came out in 2003. Um, so she was 20 at the time. And Frank, the album was like critically acclaimed. It was a mix of jazz, pop, soul, and hip hop. And it was nominated for the Mercury Music Prize as well as two Brit Awards for Best Female Solo Artist and Best Urban Act. Uh, the debut single on that album was called Stronger Than Me, and it earned the new artist, or it earned Amy as a new artist, the Ivor Novella Award. That album hit double platinum status. Fucking crazy. How long did it take? Did it, did it say? How long so did it take like for to hit double platinum? platinum? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm thinking that it happened prior to her death because uh, there yeah. was a lot of things that happened after her death, that, like the resurgence, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. um, the the reinterest in her. Um, so some, some things sparked up afterward, but I don't think in this case it did. I don't. I don't recall reading exactly though. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the quickness of her fame and recognition and her being so young, she kind of turned into a party girl. Kind of. Um, well, I mean, it progressively gets worse, right? Mm-hmm. So she's unstable and showing up to clubs and TV performances drunk like really early on um and then she started a tumultuous relationship that was on again off again with music video assistant blake fielder civil um so she actually met him at a camden pub called the good mixer and they like played pool or something and um uh they were kind of in similar circles so Blake admitted to introducing Amy to hard drugs. Like they got married in 2007 and then he introduced her to heroin. And that's when her problems got extremely worse. The couple divorced in 2009. So only two years later. And he actually served a prison sentence for stealing money to buy drugs. Oh, absolutely breaks my heart that one person can be the downfall right she already had addictive behavior yeah i assume though that based off of how things have been portrayed in the media when there's two people who are both addicts they're like feeding off of each other yeah they feed off the drama and they liked the fights yeah, I don't know if like is the right well, word, but fights ensue and yeah, there's there's just limited logic because you're 
brain isn't functioning normally. Right. And, um, so it's all about energy and emotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, and your chemicals in your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so pictures start appearing of her on London streets, you know, tear stained, bleeding feet, badly bruised legs, from um, all the scars, started falling off. scars on her arms from self-harm and cutting, um, in public, the couple would have arguments that would go into fist fights, dramatic scenes. Um, their whole romance is really centered around drugs, alcohol, and abuse. Yeah, addictive behavior bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. But all of that led to Heartbreak, which led to her next album, Back to Black, that we're all so familiar, so familiar with. Um, so most of those were written about their relationship. Most of those songs that she was singing on that album were, um, they were sad, but they had hints of humor and there was always like a moral to them. Like she was very good at writing and keeping these songs, even though the content was sad, like strangely upbeat like we all saying like i don't want to go to rehab you know like <laughs> yeah right who <laughs> who just thinks that right it, it's a very going. unique talent that she had so um she, with the back to black album it was a very different looking amy that started appearing in the tabloids um Especially when she broke through to like the United States, uh, she entered the American charts at number seven, which is the highest debut position ever for a British woman. So that's incredible. And I don't think anybody's ever going to top that from like a British woman. Well, Adele, maybe she might have. Like I said, I didn't necessarily. Yeah, you're not. like fact check that that's still the case today but it was the case at the time um so at this point she's you know stick thin tattooed uh starting to pile up her black hair into the beehive and have the extreme like cat eye makeup um which became her trademark look so um after she married Blake, uh, she became increasingly more erratic in canceling shows. And there was a very public side to all of this personal chaos. And because she had a unique look, people were even more like enamored by her because it appeared as though she had like anorexia um, in conjunction with drunken performances um it even led to an arrest in norway for marijuana possession Mm -hmm. and then at the same time her husband her husband at the time blake he would get in a bar fight and all of this stuff is getting posted to the internet because she's so recognizable (laughs) and so the sun newspaper actually posted a video where Amy appears to be smoking crack cocaine. I remember that. Um, so 
because of that video, Amy couldn't obtain a visa to appear at the 2008 Grammy Awards in L.A. And she had to do a special satellite performance mm. that was arranged in London. So she performed at like 3 a.m. Uh, through video. And at that event, Back to Black was honored with five Grammy Awards, including two for Best Song and Best Recording for Rehab, the song Rehab. Um, and in November 2008, she was named Best Selling Pop Rock Female at the World Music Awards. <laughs> it's just so crazy because I like it's I, it's I very conflicting things. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of our stories that we do are from the 1800s or, you know, even early 1900s are like totally predate anything that we experienced. But this was so vivid Mm -hmm. when going through and doing this research. I'm just like, yeah, I remember all of the imagery around her just being so dramatic. Yes. And I also remember a lot of mainstream media was making her look a fool instead of being helpful, of course, as always. But Mm -hmm. I think that it was really during the like, do this is your brain on drugs type time too, like that resurgence came up. And I think that they utilized that a little bit too, because I just recall like, don't do that. Don't be like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm awful so this is where the brother comes back up oh brother father yes so the guardian did an interview with her brother in 2013 and he had always previously remained quiet um but there was this exhibition at the jewish museum entitled amy winehouse a family portrait and her brother says he wanted to be a refuge for her from the strangeness of her celebrity. He describes visiting Amy occasionally at her Camden flat and seeing banks of photographers camped outside. He said she was pretty much shut in the house and couldn't go anywhere. He said, I'd go home back to normality. She didn't have that. The interest that they had in her was absolutely insane. She didn't want it, but her every moment was covered in the press. I genuinely wonder if her life may have been spared if they if they were made to be away kept away from her. You know what I mean? Like if it could be proven that paparazzi is bad for the mental health and well being of the people they're following. Yeah, it drove her to be. She was stuck in the house. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but we all know after quarantine, it fucking sucked, and we're not famous. Imagine that. Right. Oh. Oh. Um, so when the interviewer from the guardian, uh, kind of touches on how it must've been really hard for him to be able to see her like that. Um, like obviously, you know, you loved her, but what was it like? And he said, um, or the interviewer interviewer said that the brother didn't even really flinch when they talked about this. Hmm. Um, I guess Amy's had a long history of being the main character. 
various well yeah but in a, a tumultuous way um so the brother responded with like of course it bothers him of course it was hard but he said my dad says it all the time there's only so much you can do you can be there on the phone you can go and see them and things but ultimately it's your own responsibility and if the person who has no interest in getting better then there really isn't much that you can do. You've got to live your own life as well, or it will destroy you as much as it destroys the other person. I mean, while he's not wrong, that means I just, I know I've been there. I know for a fact they were exhausted by this whole situation. Like she exhausted them, I'm sure. Right. And so he's saying that a lot of her problems predated her sudden rise to fame, that Mm -hmm. she actually had bulimia. Um, I believe it. There's no, there's nowhere that it said that she had anorexia, although people said she did. Um, but she had bulimia, which we all know is connected to mental illness. Right. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say we all, but. <laughs> it should be known if you don't know already. It sh- you should know. God damn it. <laughs> Get your shit together. Um, and so this bulimia disease basically took over her for the rest of her life like it was something that she started like with friends in her teens well, and this eating, dis- this eating disorder just I mean it's, like, it's I don't know I feel like an eating disorder any eating disorder and I'm just making generalizations so nobody come for me like they would anyway but any any sort of like eating disorder or any sort of like mutilation disorder usually presents itself in teens and like Mm-hmm. You don't see a 20, 20 something person with just now I'm an anorexic or just now I'm starting to cut myself. I feel like these are just unresolved things that, you know, mm-hmm. when they're not resolved, they continue to present themselves. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so there's not a lot of conversation or information as to what would have caused her to i guess have such severe mental illness considering there's her brother seems to not have fought the same issues based on the way that this article is written not because anybody said anything it's just the way that he talks and stuff you know because i feel like at this stage they've probably also coached him on how to present himself so that he doesn't look like he's a nutbag too maybe I mean, obviously, I said that her parents were divorced and she always pushed back in school. So I don't know. Maybe she's just born with like, you know, wild hair. But um, her brother feels like the bulimia made her so physically and emotionally weak that that's what made her even more susceptible to illness and death. I would agree to that. I can agree to so that. He yeah. really actually feels like the bulimia is more of the culprit. Mental Not, health issues. <laughs> well, yes, but I mean, he's saying like if if she it, wasn't bulimic, if it was if she wasn't bulimic, she might have been strong enough to emotionally, yeah, emotionally carry all of these burdens. Mm, I don't know. But I'm sorry, I don't but- know. If you're susceptible to bulimia, that's means you're susceptible to a lot of other things. And if she wasn't bulimic, it's just a, it was a multi pronged approach yeah. here that Amy was fighting. And 
she had fought against drugs a few times because like when she died she actually didn't have any drugs in her system it was Um, just alcohol right it was just alcohol yeah because she was i think wasn't she like on the upswing and it was the alcohol that got her yeah 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 um yeah because her she was found dead in her bed by her live-in bodyguard he checked on her at 10 a.m on july 23rd and thought she was sleeping he said it was usual for her to sleep late into the morning so then a few hours later he checked on her again and she was lying on the bed in the same position so that's when he realized that she wasn't breathing and had no pulse and so that's when he called emergency services this was crazy so she died on july 23rd 2011 and her blood alcohol level was more than five times Britain's drunk driving limit. Mm-mm. She had 416 milligrams. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I copied this, but I don't know. Anyway, she had 416 versus 100, which is like crazy because the legal limit in Britain is 80. Yes. So, so um, it was like 416 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood. And the legal limit in Britain is 80 milligrams. And so she had 416 milligrams compared to 80, which is the legal driving limit. Yeah. Um, So that's why I said it was five times more. Yeah. So 350 is considered the fatal level. Yes. And so, number of drinks consumed, she was probably well over 10. There were multiple empty vodka bottles in her room. Yeah, she just kept drinking. What a bummer. Yeah, at 350 milligrams, that's when you start having problems breathing and someone can go into a coma. So, um, 10 years after her death, her hairdresser, Alex Foden, gave an interview to Sunday People recalling, like, interesting facts in her memory. And he said Amy's iconic beehive hairdo started as a joke. No kidding. He said, as a joke, I backcombed her hair massively and put an extra packet of hair in. And he goes... But as soon as Amy appeared in front of her friends with this look, they loved it. And they said, there you go. Like, that's that's your signature look. Oh, wow. Wow. He was just dicking around. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind if I do. He was like. Create the most iconic hairdo ever, you goofball. Well, yeah, he was like, it was never meant to be that big. He was (laughs) like, he said, let's just turn you into a caricature. And so he would put two packs of synthetic hair in there, which is fairly light. And he'd stuff it with like hair nets. Yep. And sew it all together. And he said they, they called them her fur balls. <laughs> so, I love it. So um, he, he had known Amy for quite some time. Um, and by i don't know year five of this beehive or whatever they started calling her hair the black hole 
He said that <laughs> she once couldn't find her mobile for three days. She scratched her head and it was in her beehive. <laughs> I think the drugs likable. may have had a, a part in Probably. that as well. But likely, yeah. okay. um, And just really quickly, the blood alcohol of uh, 350 is a 0. 0.4 something and the oh. equivalent oh boy <laughs> yeah so she was rocking a 0. 0.7 i'm sure yikes Ick. um yeah what's the legal driving limit 0. 0.08 <laughs> if that I, in I michigan <laughs> um like you sniff liquor and three hours later you can still smell it on your own breath you're in trouble yeah uh so her hairdresser said, though, that she was very proud of her appearance and would never leave home without her classic cat eye eyeliner. I feel like she did take pride in, like, what she looked and how people perceived her visually. Yeah. But that's also part of the bulimia, too. Mm -hmm. Making sure you have a certain level of candor. way of looking. Because, I mean, what they see in the mirror is different than right. reality. Um, so in terms of style... Amy also redefined what we came to expect of a pop star. So, you know, instead of being primed and packaged, um, her beehive and eyeliner and leopard print and tattoos and all this stuff. God, you read my mind. <laughs> um, print everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, led her to be Carl Lagerfeld's muse in 2007. And so he sent beehive models down the Chanel catwalk. And then French Vogue dedicated a whole fashion story to her look. And hundreds of girls bought a version of her style on the high street. So she, like we were talking at the beginning, she continuously was herself and very dedicated to, I'm just going to do me. And I think people were enamored by it. Um, absolutely 100% they were enamored by it so I'm just gonna kind of go over some of these awards and whatnot again because unfortunately there's not a long life story for me to go into right. and we've talked a lot about kind of the not so good things mm -hmm. so um back to black in 2006 went on to become an international success and one of the best-selling albums in UK history. At the 2007 Brit Awards, it was nominated for British Album of the Year, and Amy received the award for British Female Solo Artist. The song Rehab won her a second Ivor Novello Award. She had won her first one on her first album. At the 50th Grammy Awards in 2008, she won five awards, which we talked about that because that's when she couldn't fly in. <laughs> um... At the time, she actually tied the then record for most wins by a female artist in a single night and becoming the first British woman to win five Grammys. Gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, the, the three of the five Grammys were big ones, right? Best New Artist, Record of the Year. Song of the Year, and Best Pop Vocal Album. Uh, her duet um, with Tony Bennett, called Body and Soul, was yes. released after her death in 2011. And the song, 
ultimately won a Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a duo group. Uh, it was followed later that year by Lioness, Hidden Treasures, a collection that included previously unreleased original songs, covers, and demos. And then in 2015, the film Amy chronicled her career through the use of um, documentary footage and interviews from colleagues and other folks. And the documentary won an Academy Award for Best Documentary. Um, I actually think I watched Amy on a plane. I may have run into it, but I, I don't know. That one for me, for some reason, is just not enticing. And I'm not sure why yet. Mm. Might be now, though. Um, throughout her life, she donated money, music, and time to a bunch of charities, um, particularly ones centered around children. She was once named the most charitable act by Pop World. Uh, but this side of her personality was just not well known. Well, I no, mean, the media highlighted her mistakes and faux pas and made her look like a drunk mess instead of look, making her look like the whole well-rounded person she was. Right. So the general public didn't even know. But the arts community, they they were pretty aware of her generosity. Um, she even appeared naked in an issue of Easy Living magazine to raise awareness of breast cancer. Um, so... <sighs> She also appeared on a CD called Classics with like the Rolling Stones, the Killers, several other musicians to bring awareness to climate change. And in March of 2011, she donated uh, 20,000 pounds worth of clothes to a local charity shop in London. Hmm. Um, there, This is this very sweet little story that I'm going to end on. There was a Caribbean man named Julian Jean de Baptiste uh, who said that Amy had paid for his urgent surgery, costing more than 4,000 pounds during her stay in St. Lucia in 2009. And there's a little bit of explanation of why she was in St. Lucia, but it was after her divorce. She was kind of decompressing. Um, he said, I had surgery on July 1st, 2009. It cost a fortune and Amy paid for the whole thing. I tried to thank her, but she just hugged me and told me not to say anything. Her generosity gave me my life back. These are the things nobody knows about. And that bummed me out. She probably told me I not know. to say anything so that she didn't ask to pay for other shit because people have no fucking face anymore. They're all bitches. Ugh. <laughs> See, so there was a things. lot of information about she dated this guy. Was she romantically connected to that guy? I was like, we're not going to talk about all that. It doesn't mm -mm. matter. No. Um, so I got all of my information from LOfficialUSA.com, Wikipedia, Britannica, uh, Biography.com, AmericanSongwriter.com people the guardian ft which is actually financial times.com which is an interesting <laughs> one not? and the week.com well thank you thank so you happy 40th birthday to amy in heaven happy or whatever you amy. believe you know wherever you may be yeah wherever your soul sits yeah we hope it's a cozy place yep so that is 
my take on Amy's life. I, I believe I have seen more than just the one Amy documentary. I think I've seen some other things uh, throughout the years, but it's been so long that I didn't um, like reference anything from them based off of my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, but they are incredibly sad. So you really need to, I don't know, be in the right mindset when you watch it. That's probably Um, why I've waited for so long. (laughs) That's why I said, I go, I think I watched it on a plane and I keep doing that. I like pick the saddest. (laughs) You probably like, do that because you don't want to really watch it. You just want to fall asleep. I don't know. But like I barely cry. Like my own friends and family hardly ever have seen me cry. But then I'm on a plane next to a stranger and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm holding back the tears. That's also time something I... that's a mental thing we can unpack later. <laughs> <laughs> Picking. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I didn't really pick sad movies to watch on my flights to and from Greece. You'll love this, though. On the way back, I did put on 90 Day Fiance UK version. So proud of you. And because this was my logic, like I did want to fall asleep. And so I was like, it's no big deal. Like I can just watch it again at home later or whatever if I get into it. Did you watch the first season of... 90 Day Fiance UK? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What you got? How could you have never told me Um, about the couple that gets camel tattoos on their toes? Okay. Because (laughs) I didn't think you'd care because the guy's an idiot. I didn't think you'd make it that far. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how? Well, how do I sleep now? This is ridiculous. <laughs> How do I sleep now? You don't, <laughs> ma'am. You don't. <laughs> you just so, don't. This couple has not seen each other in person for three years. They've been on again, off again. The guy is very hard to trust because he'll, he keeps saying, I'll look, but I won't touch. And um, he's just a, a total creep. creep. And him and this, his girlfriend, who I think she's in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Of course. is They're not even engaged. And she's on board with these camel tattoos on their toes. Mm-hmm. She's like, I think it's cute and funny. And then I'm sitting there and I'm watching the tattoo artist, which, by the way, used basically clip art to design these because the guys has a king crown and the girls has a queen crown and he basically put word clip art together to make it um i'm watching him tattoo them and i'm like when they look down at their feet the camel is not facing up towards them so when they're walking, other people it looks like the camel is towards them, right? <laughs> but I'm like, if you're going to do it, why wouldn't you want the camel to turn the other way and be looking at, like, you look down and it's the correct way for you to see the camel? Well, that's like Tattoo 101. Um, and why a camel again? Like, it, it was just so just 
childish. It was <clears throat> so bizarre. Yep. Childish. Also I had to actually, I had to show my friends. Like I looked it up <laughs> on Google and I'm like, you guys. I love the story so much. You have no idea. You guys look what they did to their big toes. <laughs> yeah. That was like last year's news also, by the way, have you started season two yet? I did. I, well, I blew through the whole thing. <laughs> I like you gotta have balance. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Is it at a girl time? I think it's at a girl time. Because oh. <laughs> we could go for hours on this. Ridiculous. <laughs> so I just triggered Nicole so bad. If you don't know why, please go watch 90 Day Fiance UK season two. Season two, Jose. Jose. No, that's Jose. You're right. Jose is the other one. Jose. Who calls his fiance chicken. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, it's very hard to transition off of that. Know, My a girl <laughs> is that. <laughs> I know. Is that I did a flying dress photo shoot when I was in Greece. And. The day of the shoot, I felt very puffy, swollen, bloated, mm. like the whole travel thing and my dietary restrictions and just, I don't know, the heat body was not adapting. Um, So when I received the pictures, I was actually kind of nervous and hesitant to even look at them Aww. because also for some reason, like I kept posing like with my gut out more like <laughs> I was pushing it out more, I think, in in order to try to balance to not fall off these buildings that were slippery as fuck and wasn't really paying attention to what my body was looking like. I was just trying to stay alive. And so he kept like pointing at my stomach. The photographer kept pointing at my stomach and then I'd like suck in. And anyway, so when I looked at the pictures initially, I thought a lot of them I did look like I was expecting. Um, plus the dress is huge. You have so much extra fabric. And I was like, oh my God. I was having a really hard time with looking at them positively. Um, I went through the pictures probably three times because they give you like 100 plus and you yeah. pick 20. How do you pick? And so I just put it away, opened up the computer with fresh eyes when I got back home. And that's when I did my final selection and, and then got the edited pictures today. And I love them. I think I really was having a moment where I was just connected to like how I felt when yeah. those pictures were being shot. So my add girl is that I continuously, I mean, I paid for it. I paid for the photo shoot. So obviously I'm going to like try to make the most of it, but I continuously kept going back and trying to like find the good and kept trying to find ones where I was like, I look like a badass. Like this one looks stunning. Like stop being so self-critical. 
Mm-hmm. Good for you. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Hey, girl. Because the you. ones you picked are absolutely stunning. The ones you sent. Oh, I'm so happy. They're so fun. <laughs> and you wouldn't know if I didn't hear it from you. I would have thought you were just having another great sunny day in Greece. It's no big deal. Right. And it wasn't even a sunny day. No, it was not. No. It was cloudy and rainy. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> just suck it up. <laughs> Put the computer so, away. Come back to it. I yeah. It. I mean, the fun fact is that there were wet raindrop prints on my dress and you could see them in the low res versions that they sent to me to, mm-hmm. you know, choose from. So when I did get the edited versions back, um, they brightened things up. They got rid of the raindrops. They get like, yeah, you know, it just, it was nice. Up. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Well, I had a girl proud of you for not being super self-conscious and letting yourself live in that fun moment. Well, yeah. I mean, initially when I was looking at them, I'm like, these might just be for me. I don't even know if I'm going to share these. Hell no, girl. You told too many damn people about that shit to hide it. You know where they were going to about to ask. I was well, I know. I mean, I could choose <laughs> to only share one or two if I wanted to, but I did not. I'm glad you didn't. They're great. No. Atta girl. Pratty. What's your atta girl? So um, maybe my last garden atta girl for the year. <laughs> but the weather is changing and so I've elected to start ripping stuff down out of the garden so we got that process going but more importantly um I was able to continue on some house improvements and I painted our hallway that's downstairs black we removed the hanger thing that we had there temporarily and we've started to populate it with more artwork that we've had stowed away which is really exciting. So we had a couple pictures hung up and yeah, just continuing on home improvements. We've been in this house a year as of September. Mm-hmm. And we're still moving forward. Nothing's burned down yet. Praise the house <laughs> gods. Knocking on the wood. Yeah. <laughs> well, add yeah. a girl on keeping up the momentum. Thanks. It's been difficult for sure, but we're getting there. I just need funding. So if anybody wants to help fund my house improvements, y'all can know where to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Not asking for any funding. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Joke. Uh, Well, if you guys liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. It means a lot to us uh, when you share with your friends and help, you know, keep us going in the algorithms. So... You can follow us on Instagram at homeance underscore chronicles. Um, you can request even a hoe of history for us to do a story on by DMing us or sending us an email to uh homeancepodcast at gmail.com. And you can get your homeance gear at nicolebonneville.etsy.com. Um, and then we have a closed group on Facebook that's completely unhinged. Um, called the Homeless Chronicles, <laughs> a judgment-free zone. If you'd like to just be a creep and watch what goes on there. Completely unhinged. Plants out. <laughs>